What's up, guys? What's up, guys? We're back. It's the 108 Stitches podcast presented by the Oni Boys. I'm Will. And I'm also Will. And this is our first focus episode. We're, we're focused in. We should have we should have thought of like a serious cool name for this, huh? I honestly I thought about it before we started recording. I thought focused in would be pretty cool. Focused in. Focused in, but we can come up with something better. I think we can. I would let you guys let us know what we should call it. Yeah, that would be helpful. We we yeah. need we need options on this. DM us on Instagram. We're definitely just thinking of this right now. Yeah. At at the Oni Boys on Instagram, by the way. Another <laughs> Instagram plug. We're, we really came prepared today. Yeah. So, today. It's like 10 more. So. Our plan for today. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So, our plan is to talk about our favorite teams that have meant a lot to us. Um, Will's going to talk about his favorite team. I'm going to talk about mine. Will's going to start off. Will? Yes. Let's see it. 15 minutes. Oh, we're just jumping into it right now? We're just going to jump right into it. Let's see it. All right. We're really digging in today. Okay. The 2015 New York Mets. Now, to understand why they were significant, we kind of have to go back in time a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing with mine. Oh, you dirty dog. Good plan. <laughs> but anyway... You got to go back in time to understand why they were significant. So from about 2009 to 2014, the Mets were in a partial rebuild. They never really had a full-blown rebuild. They had pieces. They they had names, but it wasn't anything great. They'd win about 70-something games a year. It was just stuck in neutral, really. You'd bring in these old vets to counteract these supposed to be good prospects some of them didn't pan out but over time things started to build you know in 2012 david wright signs long term with the mets 2012 again matt harvey comes up and just electrifies baseball matt harvey matt harvey boy do i got some things to say about him in time uh, 2013 zach wheeler gets called up you know these pieces are starting to get going i and- actually I just mm. saw a post today about Zach Wheeler real quick. The Yankees and the Red Sox are, like, seriously looking at Zach Wheeler. I've seen those same things, but we'll save that for the, the next episode we record. Yeah. Because... Let's throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's something that's a good talking point for another episode. But anyway, you know, that started making some moves. They brought in Curtis Granderson on a deal, which I loved that deal at the time. You know, the Mets were doing things, and 2015 comes along, and there's a big reason to be excited, because Matt Harvey's coming back from Tommy John surgery, so you're going to have this dream rotation eventually. Jacob deGrom's coming off a Rookie of the Year campaign. You had Zach Wheeler there. You had Noah Syndergaard, who was on his way. You had Steven Matz, who was on his way. And you still had Bartolo Colon, too. So you had a great pitching staff. And, like, there was a lot of reason to be excited, but... Early on in spring training, Zach Wheeler goes down his first start, and they're like, oh, he needs Tommy John. So there goes one of the arms, but we still had a great five-man rotation. Really. So offensively, things kind of looked interesting at the beginning of the year. You know, you had David Wright there. Lucas Duda was coming off his first full season. Daniel Murphy was always pretty consistent. Granderson was a nice bat in the lineup. The Mets had some nice pieces. They bought in Michael Kadire. Now they had they had nice pieces, and the Mets at the time were projected to be a little over 500. You know, it was it was one of their better teams in a while, but obviously it was still the Nationals division, and a lot of people were kind of expecting the Marlins to really jump up and do well. The Phillies were in a rebuild, and the Braves were still kind of rebuilding, so it was it was an opportunity for the Mets. And so the 2015 season starts. And the 2015 story doesn't really take off till July, but there's some big things that happened in the first half that make July so much more special. And in April, the Mets did what they always do. They had a great April. They rattled off an 11-game win streak. 
which they were 11 and three at the time and it, it was going great but also it's worth noting opening day they were being no hit by max scherzer through i think uh-huh. six seven innings and scherzer's first national start and then dan ugla drops a pop-up because he was playing for the nationals at the time drops a pop-up and that basically cost the game because the mets started hitting after that so but yeah that that happened and then um couple weeks later, the uh, big injury of David Wright, the one that really did it in for him. He slides into second base, and he comes up, grabs his hammy, and everyone's like, uh-oh, he's got a hamstring problem. It's later found out that he gets diagnosed with spinal stenosis, and that, as a Met fan, just killed me. I didn't know what it truly was at the time, but, like, I know it was serious. And obviously, I know what it is now, but, like, at the time, I was like, oh, this is not good. I was actively aware of that. So that was career-threatening for him. And that was, that was a lot to take in just because, you know, he was the guy that was always out there. He was the, he's the face of the franchise. And now going without him and having a, him having a career-threatening injury was just a lot to handle. But the Mets still made do. Uh, Noah Syndergaard got called up in May and pitched against the Cubs. Steven Matz got called up in June, pitched against the Reds, had a great debut. He brought in three RBIs himself. He had a great game. But throughout the first half, the Mets just weren't hitting. So they were kind of floating around 500, but they were also at the top of the division because the Nationals were not playing well at all. The Nationals just struggled right out of the gates. They just weren't clicking like they'd been in previous seasons. So now we go to the second half. And this is where everything begins to change for the better. So there was this series at the end of the July. The Mets played the Dodgers. It was a four-game series. This, the first game, Clayton Kershaw's pitching. And, Will, I want you to guess. You, you know who was hitting three and four in the Mets lineup that day? No. Is it crazy? Will, it was Eric Campbell and John Mayberry Jr., yeah, I wouldn't have been able to guess that. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. That's who was hitting three and four for the Mets at the time against Kershaw when they were basically in first place. That's pathetic. That is pathetic. That's crazy, man. Kershaw had a great game, obviously. but Oh, yeah, obviously. But just think about how that was a 3-4 combo. And when we get into it, it's going to be crazy to think how that was a 3-4 combo. You July. just like roboted out there. I don't know what that means, but I'm just going to get back into telling this. <laughs> but um, the next night, because this was a four-game series, so they lost the first game. The next night, I go to this game. It's a Friday night. Mm. It's Mets-Dodgers, and this is a big deal because a kid by the name of Michael Conforto makes his major league debut. There was a lot of backlash. Like Fans wanted this kid up. He was in double-A, and he was Ooh. hitting the but what? Who? Michael Conforto. Michael Conforto. <laughs> his major league debut. And I was at this game. But he, there was a lot of backlash at the time. You know, the organization was like, oh, he's only in double A. We need him to develop more. And the fans were just pissed. They were like, we need this guy up now. We need a bat in that lineup. Yeah. So again, look who was hitting three and four the night before. The Mets fans were pissed. Right, and, right organization pulls him up against what they want him to do. And sure enough, I mean, his major league debut, he goes 0 for 4, kind of was what it was. Mets lose the game. John Neese gave up six runs in three innings. It was not the most pretty game. But um, I remember during the game, though, I'm sitting there, and my phone buzzes. It's a notification. It says, the Mets acquire... Kelly Johnson, and Juan Uribe. And I'm like, wow, that's a pretty nice depth move. I really like that. I really like that. So the next night, that's playing the Dodgers again. And boy, the bats just turned on. Michael Conforto, second major league game, four for five. Wow. It was four for five. The Mets won like 15. The Mets got 15 runs. I don't remember what the final score was, but the Mets scored 15 runs that game. It That's was, crazy. Then the next day, newly acquired Juan Uribe hits a walk-off single. 
oh. something gets going here. And then, then the Padres come to town. This is the end of July. Padres come to town. And the Mets make a trade, make another trade. They get Tyler Clippard from the A's <laughs> to help out the bullpen. I love I would, Tyler Clippard. Dude, I know you're not a big fan of Tyler Clippard, but when Clippard was on the Mets, man, I was a huge fan of him. He was one of my favorites. Yeah, he was great on the Mets. He was great. He but couldn't do anything in the Yankees. <laughs> feels bad. But this is now we're gonna get into you know the, the most well known story. And that is during the Wednesday it was, it was Wednesday night. It was whatever that Wednesday night game was. It was the Mets Padres. You know, there was talks about a trade going on. The, the Brewers. It was Zach Wheeler and Wilmer Flores for Carlos Gomez. There was a lot of talk. And the trade was basically confirmed. And everyone in the stadium knew, except for everyone in the dugouts, everyone who was playing the game. Yeah. So we go to the ninth inning. You know, we go to the bottom of the eighth. Let me backtrack a little bit. Go to the bottom of the eighth. Wilmer Flores gets an at-bat, grounds out. And as he's walking off, he gets a big ovation from the fans. Yeah. And he doesn't know what's going on. No one knows what's going on. And I guess in the clubhouse, David Wright pulled him aside. Because he wasn't David Wright wasn't playing, but he was there. He pulled him aside and told him what was going on. Wilmer Flores is still in the game. Top of the ninth goes out. And SNY, the Mets broadcasting team, shows a clip of Flores crying on the field. Wow. Yeah. And I will say, the post-game interview with Terry Collins, the Mets manager, mm-hmm. was something. Because he was really pissed off at the matter. It was something to watch. But uh, the Did GM... you like Terry Collins? Terry Collins, I... Looking back, like I wish we had someone like him now, yeah. because he was a well, guy. Everyone's better than Mickey now. But. I mean, he just didn't put up with any BS. Yeah, that's what I liked about Terry Collins. He was, if he was mad, he was going to show it, and he was yeah. going to hold people accountable. Not to get off topic here a little bit, but there was this one uh, interview he did in August of 2016. Like the Mets were still struggling, but they still were playing well, and yeah. he just. The Mets lost like eight nothing to the Diamondbacks, and in the post game presser, he was like, "Like if these guys don't want to be here, we'll find people who will." You know, there's 25 guys in AAA who want to be in this clubhouse, and if they want to be up here, we're gonna pull them up here. If these guys don't want to be here, like yeah. he he ripped into the team in the postseason in the uh, press conference, and from there the Mets just stayed hot. Wow. Anyway, back to 2015. Uh, that trade. Doesn't happen. GM Sandy Alderson says after the game, there's a problem with Gomez's medicals, and they couldn't swing the trade. So now the Mets just look bad. Right. And if things couldn't get worse, the next day they're playing an afternoon game against the Padres to end the series. Also, wait, super important that I mention this. In that game where Wilmer Flores cried, the Mets lost 7-3. to three. The three runs scored by the Mets were all solo home runs by Lucas Duda. Huh. Yeah, he has he has a three homer game and the Mets lose seven to three. Wow. But anyway, nobody next, could get on base for him. It was it was ridiculous. But I, I'll I'll get into Lucas Duda in a little bit because that reminded me of something I wanted to say. But the next day, afternoon game against the Padres, and they go to the ninth and there's a rain delay. Mm. They come back. And Familia's on the mound, and it's still raining. But they decide to call the game back in. And then Justin Upton hits a two-run homer to put the game out of reach. And then they, they go into rain delay again in the ninth. And then they come back for the bottom of the ninth, and the Mets lose. So two rain delays in the ninth, and the Mets lose the game. Yikes. And now it, feel, it kind of feels like the Mets season hit rock bottom at this point. Right, right, right. Just because you had the Flores thing the night before, and now you have two rain delays and a loss in the ninth. And the Nationals are coming to town. So this this National series was a big deal because the Mets were three games behind the Nationals in the division, and it was a three-game series. The Mets swept, they would have been tied. But if the Mets had gotten swept, they'd be six back. And wow. Yeah, this was this was a... Big break. 
this was a big deal. And that first game, Mets get the win against the Nationals. In the second game, so I know the first game, it's worth talking about because Wilmer Flores, who had been traded, well, thought he had been traded a few nights before, hits a walk-off. What a guy. And the people went crazy. As they should. Now, also, this is a big deal because this is a Friday. And this is also the trade deadline. And everyone was waiting for the Mets to make a move. And sure enough, three minutes before the 4 o'clock deadline, the Mets acquire outfielder Ioannis Cespedes. Uh, That's the Detroit funny. Tigers for Michael Fulmer, a pitching prospect, who turned out to be pretty good. Yeah. But <clears throat> this Cespedes move absolutely changed everything. But back to the National Series. Next, that Saturday game. So the Mets are two games back now. Saturday game was Lucas Duda night at City Field. Huh. He got the runs. He had he had himself a nice game. Had a big go ahead double. It was it was a Lucas Duda show. Yeah. And then Sunday, ESPN Sunday night game. Noah Syndergaard against Jordan Zimmerman. City Field is absolutely. And it was the absolute loudest it had probably ever been for a regular season game. And the Mets get the game going. Curtis, not in the first inning. I think it was like the third inning. Curtis Granderson goes deep. Daniel Murphy goes deep. Lucas Duda goes deep. Daniel Murphy. All within five pitches of each other. To open the game? Not to, I think it was like the third inning this happened. Oh, okay. But still, that got the crowd going. And Noah Syndergaard, Noah Syndergaard was electric. And if I remember correctly, I think Bryce Harper also got called. Um, he got uh, ejected that game, too, for arguing balls and strikes. Wow. City Field crowd had a lot to cheer for. I bet. And sure enough, the Mets win the game. It's now tied at the top of the division. In, on August 1st, or August 2nd, or something like that. And then, I, got, I just want to say, as a Met fan, having them at first place during this time, because I was 17 during this time when this season was going on. So I knew what was going on. And I, I knew it was something different. But just having the first time, like this was the first time I can truly experience the Mets being in first place. Because I was too young to really remember them in like, the mid to late 2000s when they were good. Like, I remember yeah. them. Like, I didn't know what it really meant in a way. But, I'm like, going to talk about the same thing, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, all right. <laughs> but, yeah, like, this was the first time the Mets were truly in first place. Even that, though... No, that, that, that's so funny, though. Like, all these past teams that were, like, sick. Like, it's just really now that we're getting into these, like, as deep as we're getting into them, you know? Mm-hmm. Or at least the last few years, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, then. So back to it. In August, Yoenis Cespedes just doesn't stop hitting home runs. It felt like he was hitting a home run at night. Yeah. And it was a big home run, too. That's how it always felt. And everyone was just clicking and clicking. The Mets won, like, 20 games in August, I want to say. Wow. No exaggeration. They won, like, 20 games. They really got hot. And everything was right. You know, it, one of the best moments in August, though, was uh, David Wright. He's been rehabbing and all this stuff. Comes back. It's, plays his first game against the Phillies, Citizens Bank Park. Adam Morgan is on the mound for the Phillies. And he throws David Wright a hanging curveball. And David Wright, in his first at-bat, absolutely belts it into the stands. Wow chills dude like it was crazy he took the hand curveball and just destroyed it it was one of the best moments i've ever seen so david wright was back and 
the Mets were just clicking. And also, one of the biggest moves they made was this was when uh, the waiver deadline was still a thing in August because MLB's done away with that now. This is when the waivers were still a thing. Ah, uh, right. Where you could still like trade up until, yeah. Yeah, you could just trade up until September. But these trades really weren't anything big. And the Mets got Addison Reed from Diamondbacks. And uh, Addison, Reed, Addison Reed, before this, you know, he was a closer, but he really wasn't a good closer. He was really inconsistent. Right. The Mets just threw him in the seventh inning roll. And he was untouchable. He, he had just figured something out when he came to the Mets. And we had, and it was great going into September, you know, had a great rotation. Everyone was pitching well. You had a great back end in the bullpen that was untouchable. Like, even Eurice Familia was pitching well during this time, and he was the ninth inning guy. He was yeah. pitching great. And the lineup was so deep that it couldn't be stopped. Then September comes around. And there's another series with the Nationals. And it's the same situation as last time. The Mets, though, are up three games. They're not in second place. They're up three games on the Nationals. So this is the series to really put them away. Right. And there's a game. I don't remember which game it was. But the Mets were down like 7-1 to one in the seventh inning. And the Mets make an insane comeback. So much of an insane comeback. That pitcher, Drew Storen, gets removed from the game, goes into the locker room, and breaks his hand from punching something. <laughs> he broke his hand because he blew it. Because I remember Cespedes had a big double, I want to say. Yeah. And then the big blow off of Jonathan Papelbon, no less, was a Kirk Neuenheis go-ahead home run off the bench. And the Mets didn't turn back. The Mets swept the Nationals. They have a six-game lead in September, and now everything's just great. So there's the end of the month. Mets are playing the Reds in Cincinnati. And first inning, you know, this, this was the game to clinch the division. So this is a big game. And first inning, nothing to worry about. Lucas Duda comes up. Doink, grand slam. In the first and inning. First inning. And the Mets just kept it going. And then the Mets already had a lead at this point. But then in the ninth inning, just to make things feel even better, David Wright, doink, three-run bomb. And now it's like a 10-to-something game. I remember Matt Harvey pitched this game, too. And at the time with Matt Harvey, there was a big blow-up about his innings because he had just come off Tommy John surgery. And Matt Harvey was even saying, like, oh, I don't know if I should throw in the postseason. And Met fans were like, huh, you're pitching, bud. You know, we, we wanted to see him out there, but he was just like, I don't know if I want to do it. I don't want to right. test my arm. But um, he eventually came around on the matter and rattled off good six innings, six and two-thirds, something like that. I remember he worked into the seventh. And then ninth inning comes around, Familia comes on. Strikes out Jay Bruce, no less. Huh. So he struck out Jay Bruce, and the Mets clinched the division. And it was a big party in Cincinnati. And as a Met fan, you know, that was my first time ever really getting to experience that. So that was just like, right. it was something amazing to watch, especially afterwards, you know, seeing them all be really happy, you know. It kind of put all the years of misery to rest for a little bit. Because we were finally playing in October. And so, yeah, October comes around. Division series against the Dodgers. And this, this was going to be a tall task. But he had a player named Daniel Murphy. Who, in game one, he takes Kershaw deep. Little did we know this was going to be the start of something Babe Ruth-like. Yeah. But yeah, no. The, uh, the Mets take game one in L.A. Big deal. Mets, Mets lose game two. So, we go to New York for game three. And 
City Field crowd is pumped, and they, as they should be, because the Mets went on an absolute tear this game. Remember, Brett Anderson was pitching for the Dodgers, and I remember thinking to myself, if the Mets explode on any night, this is going to be that night. Oh, it had to have been. And it, oh, dude, it was. Mets won like 10 to 3 or something like that. Yoannis Cespedes had a big home run, too. It was really, it was a really exciting game to watch. Wow. When he was and good. Game four, they lose. So, game five, the final game of the series, they have to go back to LA. And Jacob deGrom throws the game of his life. And the Mets win it. And David Wright had a go-ahead single in the seventh. Mets win it. So now, the Cubs are going to come to town for the championship series. And this was, looking back, this is so funny to look back on. Because I remember... It was being this series, the Mets Cubs series, was being hyped as like just the start. This was just the beginning of these two facing off in the postseason, right? Because it, it was going to be like, oh, the Mets have the pitching, the Cubs have the hitting. You know, these teams are going to be here for years on years. But ironically, they haven't met in the postseason since. Yeah. A lot of that on the account of the Mets, because the Cubs have been consistent. But, but yeah, so game one rolls around. And Babe Ruth, otherwise known as Daniel Murphy, starts hitting again. It's another home run. Dude, I remember watching this too. Like, not even, like, obviously, I'm a big Yankee fan, but I literally remember watching all those Met games where Daniel Murphy was just on it another was, moon. It was insane. But then also, I remember at a certain point in the championships series, <clears throat> you came to just expect him hitting a home run, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I want to say it was game one or two where Arietta they were in New York and Arietta was pitching for the Cubs. <clears throat> and Arietta just throws Murphy like a sharp curveball down and in. And Murphy somehow just gets his bat around it and pulls it down the line and just gets over for a home run. Like, he, it was insane pitching. That's he just, when Jake Arietta was sick. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. I know the Mets were winning. The Mets took the first two in New York. And then they go to Chicago. And feeling really good, obviously. They win game three. So now it's game four. The Mets could sweep the Cubs right now. And, you know, Daniel Murphy does his thing. Hits his fourth home run of the series. His seventh of the postseason. Which was, like, insane up to that point. Yeah. And then... Lucas Duda goes deep that game. You know, the Mets are really having a field day. And then it comes to the top of the ninth. And Familia's on. And Dexter Fowler's at the plate. Familia throws up. Fowler swings. Strike three. And the Mets are going to the World Series. And were, you, Will, were you, like, cropping your pants, man? Well, I can't express to you. I remember I was sitting in my room at my old house. And I was just hanging over my bed and just, I was in awe because this was actually happening. You know, it's one thing to just, like, you obviously know this. It's one thing just to watch the postseason and watch teams that, like, are good and stuff. But it's a completely different thing when your own team is in it. Yeah. And this is the first, this was the first time I truly got to experience that. Yeah. And. That's so cool, man. And the World Series came up. And I was really excited, but also, and I still believe this to this day, I, I think that if, you know, yeah, like getting done with the championship series early is cool and all, but if the other team that you're playing in the World Series goes like a seven-game championship series, you're kind of screwed because yeah. of the dumb. And that's exactly what happened with the Royals. They played the Blue, Jay- the Blue Jays, I want to say, in 20 20- yeah. Yeah, they played the Blue Jays. I think that went six or seven games. And I remember thinking at the time, well, the Mets played four. They've had they've been off for a while. So, also now that I think of it, a Mets Blue Jays World Series would have been insane. But that's a different story. But yeah, yeah so, that, that would have been crazy. Yeah, a Mets Royals World Series 2015, and dude, I was so excited. I remember I would 
SNY would do a pregame like two hours before a game, and I would just sit there and watch that because I was just so excited. And like they'd be at Kansas City and all that stuff, and it, it was yeah, awesome. Yeah. It was so exciting. And game one, here we go. First batters, I'll see it as Escobar. The, Royals, <laughs> the bottom of the first, you know, they're, we're in Kansas City. First pitch, hit out to left center. And, you know, you win a Cespedes playing center field. Happens to kick the ball. The ball happens to roll past Michael Conforto, who is playing left. By the time this ball is thrown in the infield, Alcides Escobar has already gotten home for an inside-the-park home run. Yeah. This, this is when I knew the fun was over. <laughs> uh, That's, I just remember seeing that happen, and I'm like, oh, this is how the World Series is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, and I'm going to make a case for this once I'm done talking about it all, but I truly believe the Mets could have won this World Series. And I think I've told you this before. But yeah. I'm going to get out there now. I have a big case as to why I think they should have won and could have won. But anyway, the Mets are competitive in game one. And they had the lead going in the bottom of the ninth. Then Alex Gordon comes up, takes Uri's Familia sinker to dead center, ties the game. And then a couple inches later, they go into extra innings. Bartolo Colon's pitching, and he gives up a sack fly. The Mets lose. Mm. Game two, Johnny Cueto's on the mound for the Royals, and Johnny Cueto throws the game of his life. Johnny Cueto when he was sick, too. Just completely shuts down the, the Mets. So the Royals get the win, and they're up 2 nothing going into New York. Game, game three, the bottom of the first inning is a moment that I will never forget for the rest of my life. Yeah? So... Curtis Granderson gets on. There's no outs. It's bottom of the first. Dano Ventura, RIP, is pitching. And David Wright steps up. He gets a fastball up in the zone. And absolutely cracks it to left field. Two-run homer. David Wright, after all that he had been through... He gets his first at-bat as a Met at City Field in the World Series and hits a home run. Wow. The captain. Chills. Well, that's something I still watch to this day and get chills over. Yeah, man. Like. That's so cool. It was one of the most insane things I've ever seen in baseball. And it just made me so happy. And the Mets actually win this game. So now the series is 2-1. And now we go into game four. And game four, the Mets blew it again. But here's what happened. We're in the eighth inning. The Mets have a lead. The Mets bring in Familia for like a four-out save. Yeah. And Mets bring the infield in. I don't remember who was batting. It's a ball on the ground to Murphy at second. And Murphy, mind you, after being Babe Ruth for the first two playoff series, was not hitting a lick. Yeah. His bat had just gone cold for the World Series. Of course. But to help compact the air, he lets this ball get through his legs. Royals take the lead. Wow. That was heartbreaking. Yeah, I bet. So the Mets are now at a 3-1 deficit. And now we go to game five. And this was the game that really... This is the game that sticks out in a lot of people's memories for different reasons. Matt Harvey gets the game five ball. Got the loss in game one. Well, he didn't get the loss, but... Because he got no decision in game one. But the Mets lost yeah. game So he's out there for game five. And Matt Harvey, I, I, I can't joke about this. He pitched the game of his life. And he was striking everyone out. And yeah. there were just times where you just saw he was intense and he was in it. He was feeling it. He was feeling really good. 
eighth inning comes around. Harvey's got a big pitch count, but he still shuts the Royals down in the eighth. So the big debate is the Mets are up 2 nothing going into the ninth. Yeah. And the big debate was, do you let Harvey have this game or do you bring in Familia to close it? And the Fox broadcast showed Harvey in the dugout going up to Terry Collins and saying that he was pitching. Like, this was his game. You could wow. actually say that. Like, Collins wanted to take him out. He's like, no, this is my game. You're not taking me out. And Collins let him have it. And I know as a Met fan during that time, I remember I was sitting on my bed, and I just remember saying to my TV, keep Harvey in. Keep Harvey in. Like, this was his game, you know? Yeah. You had to let him have this game. No, you had to. And he wanted it. So they send him back out there for the ninth. City field goes crazy. And then Harvey lets the first guy get on. And then Eric Hosmer comes up, doubles down the left field line, run scores, 2-1. Terry Collins takes Matt Harvey out. Oh, yeah. I think I would have, too, at that point, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say this after this, but uh, Terry Collins later, like after the season ended, he said that his biggest regret was letting Harvey go out there for the ninth. Yep. He said that he should have stuck with his gut and taken him out after the eighth. Even though it would have been the unpopular decision, Terry Collins felt that keeping Harvey in there for the ninth was not the right decision to make. You as a coach, you leave him in? Um, honestly, I think I would have. Yeah? I, I honestly think I would have. Because especially if he came to me and said he wanted it, and I'm like, all right. But at the same time, this was also the last game we ever saw Matt Harvey pitch well in. Right, and I think I would have... I would have let him go back out there, but as soon as he let like one guy on, he would have been out instead he of... He let the first guy on, and then he gave up the double. It was two batters, and he gave up the double and the run. Right, I, I would have just let him pitch to the first guy, and if he like, walked him, you're out. Mm. You know? yeah. yeah. But anyway, so Hosmer gets the third. And now we're, we're going to bring up a very infamous play with a bunch of uh, Met fans, but I, I got to justify it. So I don't remember who was adding, but... I don't remember who was hitting, but little chopper, David Wright at third. Osmer's on third. You know, Wright gives him a quick look, makes the throw to Duda at first. The moment he makes the throw, Hosmer breaks for home. Duda gets wow. the out first, makes the throw home, throws offline, run scores, game's tied. But here's my beef. I am fully convinced. Now, a lot of Met fans, before I get into that, though, a lot of Met fans think Lucas Duda – is the scapegoat for this because they're like, oh, he made a terrible throw. You know, we lost that game because of Lucas Duda. Right, right. But I think even if Lucas Duda makes a perfect throw, Hosmer's still safe. Just what I've seen that clip enough times, and I really think even if Duda makes a perfect throw, Hosmer's safe. Yeah. So I think a lot of Met fans give Lucas Duda a bad rap because of that. But anyway, but yeah, Mets go into the 12th, and then Royals just started hitting. Royals got like four runs. And th- th- that's when you knew the dream was kind of over. Sure enough, bottom of the inning, Wilmer Flores strikes out looking. Royals won the World Series on our home turf. Wow. And it was a tough pill to swallow, but it was, it was the most Mets way to end things. But like 2015 was really, that whole year was a roller coaster ride as a Met fan. And that's what oh, yeah. I loved about it. it. It was the first time we really ever seen success for a while. And it just, I, I hope the Mets can get back there soon because it would just, it would be great. Like we we're going to talk more about this when we cover the home run derby and all-star game, but you were on the phone with me when Pete Alonso won the home run derby and you saw how I got over that. Dude, you were like, you were, you were over the moon, man. I was in shock. Because good things just don't happen to the Mets. So I, I, Vlad Jr. looked literally insane. Yeah. Like, it, I don't know. I just want the Mets to get back to a winning way again. Just because, like, it, it was a great time to be a Mets fan. And right now, it, just looking back right now, especially with all that's going on, it's just like, wow. It feels like forever ago since the Mets yeah. were that. 
four years. I, I forgot to mention this. During Game 3 of the World Series, not only was David Wright's home run one of the coolest things, but how about Noah Syndergaard making his first pitch to Alcides Escobar up and in, and it brushes him back off the plate. And they, the Fox broadcast shows Mike Moustakis on the Royals bench just cursing towards Syndergaard. And then after the game, when asked about that pitch, Noah Syndergaard says if he's got a problem with it, he can find me 60 feet, six inches away. Wow. Like, what a badass. Yeah. Like, I've always liked Syndergaard. And that's when Syndergaard was a rookie. Can, wow. can you, like, as a rookie, have, having the stones to do that? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Throw up and in, and then if a guy has a problem with it, you just tell him, like, yeah, like, if you have a problem with me, come find me. Like, you got, you got, that's some Texas justice. It's He's a Texas dwarf. Man, so, yeah. Dude, that's, it's crazy. But, yeah. 2015 Mets were quite a ride. And also, I just want to say, Kelly Johnson, the most clutch hitter I've ever seen in my life. Yeah? The Mets got Kelly Johnson, like I said. And boy, the most clutch hitter I've ever seen in my life. He just, anytime there was a situation, he'd come up off the bench, he'd get like a big double or a home run or something. It was insane. And he played all, yeah. all over the state, so I like him for that reason. But yeah, that's that's awesome, man. That's the uh, 2015 mess. Is he a up. Yankee? Kelly Johnson, yeah. Kelly yeah, Johnson played for all five teams in the AL East. Wow. He did, yeah. When was he a Yankee? He was a Yankee. I want to say 2013, around that time. Yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, story of the 2015 Mets. I feel like I got most of it in there, but there's definitely things I'm missing that I'll reflect on at some point. But that's that's the basic story. I love it, man. All right, let's let's see, let's hear your side of things. Let's hear the 2017 Yankees. 2017 Yankees. There's a bunch of different things that make 2017 Yankees just like sick for me. So like, this was the first year that I was like really, really just like diving into baseball this is the first year i joined my dad's old uh fantasy league like i took my dad's spot because he didn't want to do it anymore and i was doing it an expensive paid league by myself i was doing that it was my first year of college um then i got the show and that was the, f- the first year i ever completely grinded the show on ps4 like played it every single day for hours I was like just really involved with baseball and just I felt it almost right away. I remember the Yankees were playing the Cubs early in the season. And I'll never forget this because I was watching it live. The Yankees were down by a run. And it was, there was two strikes on Brett Gardner. And like that was the game right there. Two strikes, two outs. And he hit a go-ahead home run in the top of the ninth. Oh, in Wrigley. And like I remember it was like a super cold, windy game. Like it was so funny watching because all the players were completely bundled up. And then he hits a, a go-ahead two-run home run. And then Chapman comes in and closes it out. And I was like, wow, that was crazy. And then like a few I, I don't I don't remember the date of that, but I remember like Another huge moment that I love to watch over again is when they came back against the Orioles. So, like, the Yankees were down 9-1 to against the Orioles. I think it was in April. I could check the date for you right now. Um, yeah, April 28th. So, like, obviously still early in the season. They were trailing 9-1. to And then the Yankees won the game 14-11. to Oh, shit. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> Aaron Judge homered twice. He homered to make it like 9-2 to two or something like that. And like, oh, look. And then the Yankees fans who were still there loved that. And then my boy, Jacoby Ellsbury, <laughs> uh, hit him. Uh, grand slam for his 100th career home run. And, and then Starlin Castro pimped a home run. And then Matt Holliday hit a home run to walk it off. It was crazy. 
Ah. I'll never forget that. Wow. Yeah, Matt Holiday. What? Of course, that was Aaron Judge's rookie year. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember drafting him in fantasy. That this kid's going to be good. You know, I've had him on my team ever since because it's a keeper league. Mm-hmm. So the season was going along. People were talking about how the Yankees are going to, like, rebuild, how they weren't supposed to be good. They didn't really have a good team because the previous year they sold all their players, remember? Mm-hmm. But then they got Chapman back. So they, they let Chapman go to the Cubs for a rent, and then they signed him again. So they, they were kind of rebuilding. But then they were really trying to make a push. And I don't, I don't know, like, the specific stats. Like, you were so good at doing that when you were talking about the Mets, like, almost every game and everything like that. Mm. But uh, I just, I, I remember how, like, they just, they weren't supposed to be good, you know? And I, I know you hate hearing that. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> For obvious reasons, because it's the Yankees. Yeah. And not but like you guys is winning like eighty five games. I know, but they weren't they weren't supposed to be how they were, you know. And I remember that was the first year I used to go to like Yankee games sporadically, like every couple of years I went to a Yankee game. And then that year was the first year I went alone with all my friends, and I went to three games with my friends that year. Mm. And I that w- that was so fun, and I remember. I hate Tyler Clippard. Tyler Clippard was so bad on the Yankees. Remember, the Yankees were playing the Angels. The Yankees were winning by a lot. And I was like, one of my dreams was to see Chapman because I loved Chapman before he was on the Yankees. And now that he was on the Yankees, like, man, that's just a dream to see him someday. I remember the Yankees were up by, like, so many runs, and they bring Tyler Clippard in. And he was getting booed as he was coming in. Hmm. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Wait, he comes wait. in. Yeah. Quick story, because I have one that's very like this about the 2015 Mets that I forgot to mention. Okay. So I went to a game in August. And like you, this was my first time like going with one of my friends. This was yeah. August 2015. Mets are playing the Pirates. And the Mets were winning, or they were, it was a two, it was something like it was like 2 1 or 3 2. It was a small score, and there had yeah. been a rain delay. And the Mets bring in Bobby Parnell. And I hated Bobby Parnell. And everyone hated Bobby Parnell. And everyone just started booing him at the same time when he got on the field. And then he gets a grounder hit back to him. There's a runner on first. Grounder hit back to him. Overthrows second. Oh, my God. So we boo even louder. And then uh, me and my buddy took the train down. And because of the rain delay, that kind of pushed the game back. So we were like, all right, we got to go catch the train. We got to get out of here. We left City Field. And just as we got on the outside... They must have taken him out because, dude, City Field sounded like a thunderstorm of boot. <laughs> and it was one of the best experiences I ever had. But anyway, I want to hear more about your side of things. But yeah, so like Tyler Clippard comes in. Everyone's booing him because he sucked. He was so bad. And I actually, I remember going down. So my coach, that, that was actually the first year that I was a baseball coach, too. A lot of firsts for me that year. So, um, I went down with my baseball coach and his family, and I remember like his dad was like, "This guy is so bad," and they were just riding him the whole time. And then Tyler Clippard, <laughs> I the only time I want to thank him for this, I don't know if I've told you the story before. He stuck. He sucked so badly that night that I got to see Chapman come in to close out the game. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. So he made my dream come true. He sucked so badly that Chapman had to come in and close the game in the ninth because Tyler Clippard couldn't get an out. And then I watched Chapman throw 103. And that was like, that was just, that was so sick. And he's won and that was awesome. Um, and then the season's going. And then I remember texting my friend, I thought just, he was like, God, like, Will, like, there's a serious chance the Yankees can make the playoffs and like win. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because that was your that the Indians were just insane. That's the year they won 22 in a row? Yeah, it was like yeah. 22 in a row. I'm like, there's no way that the Indians don't make it to the World Series. Like They, they were just insane that year. And that's when the Astros were amazing, too. That's when like, they were just coming on. Because they, they yeah. had a good team before that. They'd made the postseason, but this is when they were coming on. Yeah, so like, I was like, Mike, one, the Yankees 
do not have the pieces that they need, and they have to beat the Indians and the Astros. Well, possibly because we didn't know what the what the playoffs would be like yet. But like they have to beat those two teams possibly to get yeah. it into the World Series. Yeah. But and then the Yankees start making moves. The first big move that I loved was a couple minor league guys and Tyler Clippard for Todd Frazier, Tommy Canley, and David Robertson. Mm. That's nice. I, that's that was a great trade. Like, almost a no-brainer trade. Getting rid of Tyler Clippert and getting Canley and Robertson, like... And Todd Frazier was a big thing, too. But uh, I, I remember when David Robertson was on the Yankees for as long as he was, I just absolutely loved him. Such a good guy. And then getting him back was, like, one of the coolest things. It was... I just... I was so happy about it. He was always a good reliever, too. Yeah, he he was really... I loved him on the Yankees. And then Todd Frazier comes, and it's like always a dream to play in the Yankees. And Canely, Canely throws really, really hard, too. So it was just a really, really good move for the Yankees. And then right around that time, they called up Dustin Fowler, who was supposed to be, like, the Yankees' next big thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And his first game... Didn't even have an at-bat yet. He runs into the wall, and he's done for the season. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. I I felt I, – I watched that game live. I watched, like, every game that I could that year. But, like, I remember watching that live, and he ran into the wall, got had to get carted off the field. I was like, this kid is done. And then they traded him to the A's and got Sonny Gray. Oh, which I also hate Sonny Gray, but I just I felt so bad for this guy that the Yankees called him up. He was supposed to be sick, and then he got hurt, and then he's not even a Yankee anymore. He didn't even get to have an at bat. Feels bad. Does so you get Sonny Gray, which is like looking back on it now. And I, I just heard some guys talking about it, like some announcers, like it was Justin Verlander was a trade piece too and nobody knew and you said this nobody knew justin verlander was going to be the way that he was but the astros signed justin verlander and he's absolute uh, trade for justin verlander and he's absolutely sick on the astros sunday gray wasn't horrible when he came to the yankees it was just the years after that he just sucked i mean then, even last year with the yankees he in theory he didn't throw bad his numbers yeah. aren't bad but like i understand why you don't like them oh yeah well, that's it that's a whole other story and then they also got jaime garcia from the twins that year too jaime garcia oh my gosh i forgot about him yeah so did i <laughs> um yeah so like they're making pieces to make it to the playoffs you know mm-hmm. like that was their whole which was crazy because people thought they weren't even going to be doing that just because the the way that their season was going thus far and then they made all their big moves that they needed to. And they get a wild card spot against the Twins, who were, like, sick that year, too. Mm-hmm. What, what was it? Was it? Who was that pitcher on the Twins? Who, Which had a really, who? Which pitcher? The, the Twins have a lot of pitchers. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, One who started that game? Yeah. Was it Irvin Santana? I was just about to say, I think it was Urban Santana. Yeah, it was. I remember he watching had, that game. I remember watching the game. He had a really, really good year that year. Um, yeah, so they're playing the Twins. And Severino, was that his rookie year too? I don't think that was his rookie. No, but that, I, that I was, was his, his first full year. I think it was his yeah, first. Yeah, it was his first full year. And it, that was his first playoff experience too. And he comes into the game as the Yankees one of, if not their best pitcher, their ace at that time, and gives up three runs and gets out of the, like, take, taken out of the first inning. I'm like, are you serious? Like, watching this game, Yankees are already down 3 nothing in the first, and their star pitcher's out. And then I, w- I was so worried after that. But then, of course, the very next inning, Yankees do the same thing to the Twins, tie the game, Didi hits a home run, does the bat flip, ties the game. Mm-hmm. I still watch that all the time, and I get chills all the time just watching that, man. Like, that's such a sick 
sick. That was so cool. And then, of course, Yankees won that game. Aaron Judge kicked ass in that game. It, it was it was great. And then you go against the Indians. I'm like, well, this is it because the Indians are sick, and they were supposed they were the favorites to win the World Series. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Oh yeah. Um, they had the pieces. Yeah, definitely. Kluber was filthy, you know. And then Trevor Bauer also. That's when I mean, him and Carrasco started coming in on their own. Yeah. That's when and, they started good. And of all you had to do was throw a slider to Aaron Judge. And I remember watching, I was like, man, you know. Um, yeah. So the Indians took the first two. And like, oh, yikes, you know. And then the Yankees come. Win the first game at home. One nothing, because mm. Craig Bird hit a go-ahead home run against Bird. I know, and he hit a home run against Andrew Miller. I'll never ever forget that man. That's crazy. That was so sick. That that was like I could talk about the 2009 Yankees, but I, I was in sixth grade then. I wasn't like really really into it then. You know, like I remember I didn't it. Know what was going on? Right. I didn't really know what was going on. This is the like, first you time watched it, knew what was going on, but you, you didn't really know what was going on, you know? Right, right, right. But now, like, this is the first time I'm know everything that's going on. I've watched the whole season mm-hmm. in the playoffs, and then Greg Bird was hurt the whole season. He just comes back right in time for the playoffs, and he does this. Like that was crazy mm-hmm. against Andrew Miller, who at the time was one of the best relievers, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the Yankees take game number two. And number three, so they won all three games at home. Oh, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you can't win all three games they, at no, home. No, read that wrong. Sorry, sorry, they sorry. Could. You they, could. They won, they won the two games at home, mm-hmm. and then they go to game five. All right, yeah. They won. They won all three games in New York, yes. yeah. One, I thought well, you meant one they all won two in New York. games in a row at Yankee yeah, no. Can't do that. That, 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 was, that was Houston, but... um. Yeah, so game five, Yankees go back to Cleveland and they win. They beat the one seed, everyone's favorite to win. Mm-hmm. Now they have to play Houston. And this is this began my hatred for Houston. <laughs> um, lose the first two in Houston, two to one, because Justin Verlander is just another. He's just insane, you know. Yeah, lose the first two, and then Yankees win game three, eight to one, like. Wow, you know. Wow. <laughs> and then, uh, where am I? And then, so game four, I'll, I'll never ever forget this. So, there's a lot of people that don't like John Sterling. There's something about me listening to John Sterling baseball games, announcing the Yankees, just brings back childhood for me. And I absolutely love listening to Yankees games on the radio. A lot of people don't like John Sterling, but there's something about listening, like just, because me and my dad used to listen to it on the radio all the time. But um, so I had to go pick up my sister from a, a swim meet. And it was really late. I, I was like, Mom, are you serious? You're making me go pick up my sister right now. The Yankees are in a serious game right now. She's like, yes, you have to. I'm sorry. I'm like, okay. So I turned the Yankee game on. I'm listening. I'm getting McDonald's because I was really <laughs> hungry. And I remember I wasn't up to the window yet. I literally screamed like a little girl in my car when the Yankees came back. It, like Gary Sanchez opened the game up, Yankees won 64. My sister, Will, I don't know if I've ever, you probably haven't seen this video. There's literally a video of me that my sister took of me screaming in my car when the Yankees won that game. Oh, I need to see that video. That I'll never, ever forget that. That was just, listening to John, I, that was just, that was so sick. And now, now the series is tied, and the Yankees going into Game Five, and Tanaka throws a gem. Seven innings. Let's see. Seven innings, three hits, one walk, and eight Ks against mm-hmm. the Astros. Not bad. And Tommy Kinley came in, closed out the game. I that was that for me, like. I love Tanaka. Like, well, I used to not like him. Really, a love hate relationship with Tanaka. But when I look back at that moment, I'm like, Tanaka can be really, really clutch. Mm-hmm. And he's really not as bad as I think he is, you know? 
like last night, he he did really, really well last night in the All Star game against like Cody Bellinger, you know, like yeah, <laughs> that was great to watch. But yeah, so he he did so well in Game Five, and then for Game Six, this could have been it. And I I went up to Binghamton and just to visit because I was at Duchess, so I was trying to. See what schools I was going to go to next. I went up to Binghamton with my friend, uh, Kem, and we were going to watch game six with my cousin at Binghamton. Hopefully, see the Yankees win. It was like really, really cool. And we go up there, and Astros won seven to one. I was like, you know what? It's fine. Because, like, we were watching the whole game, Astros kept corner a bunch of runs. I was like, you know, it's fine because there's still a game seven. And then I was home. The Astros won four nothing. Mm-hmm. and that was like I was so sad and that's why I hate the Astros because that was such a sick run that the Yankees had mm-hmm. um, and of course last year the Yankees were back in the playoffs but Boston won in the divisional round but that was just the whole build up of me just like being super involved in fantasy and the show and this is the first time that that's like when, that's when you truly got into baseball, yeah. Yeah, like truly, truly got into baseball. And then the Yankees had a, an amazing run when they should when everyone thought they weren't gonna have that run. Mm-hmm. And then they did, and they made all the moves, and then they made it one game away from the World Series that year, which is just that was that was just great to watch. That was so fun. I still watch the game four come back and then Andrew Miller's home run in the wild card game, like all the time. <laughs> yeah. dude. The, something about a season where you don't expect to do much and then you do a lot. That's what I noticed with our two seasons that we picked. They weren't, ex- yeah. our teams were not expected to do much, but they did a lot. Yeah. And that was also the whole thumbs down thing with uh, Todd Frazier. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that, that feels like a lot longer than 2017. I know. Oh my god. That was the thumbs down guy. Yeah, because they played that game at City Field against the Rays. Yes. <laughs> because of the storms in Florida. Oh my gosh. Yes, bro. That, that that really isn't a long time ago, but man, bringing that up right now feels like forever ago. I know, right? It feels so long ago. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so they had to play in City Field. Against the Rays, it, it that was such a weird situation, you know. Mm-hmm. But and then the whole thumbs down guy, and then every time the Yankees scored a run after that, or like got a nice double or a triple or a single, they just do thumbs down. And that was just that was great. See, I just remember thinking that was always really obnoxious, but that's also just me being a Met fan. It's <laughs> great, man. Yeah. Oh, wait. Um. Wait. Did you have something you just wanted to say? No. Okay, because I just remembered I was going to explain how the Mets could have won the World Series in yeah. 2015. So I'll make this quick because we've definitely been talking for a while. Yeah. Game one, if Juris Familia makes a different pitch that Gordon misses, the Mets win. Yeah. Game two, they were not going to win. Cueto pitched too well. Game three, they won. Game four, if Murphy fields the ground ball. And game five... If they go to Familia and not leave Harvey in there, then that's one. That's my belief. That simple? I think it was that simple for the Mets to win. And it was just by happenstance, all those things happening. Feels bad, man. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's... that's First my... focus episode. First one went really well, actually. It did. I'm proud of it. I really enjoyed it. I if you guys have ideas for focus episodes, like let us know. We have a lot of ideas. Like it'll be a lot of fun. We're definitely gonna like do this. how we talked about. Well, this is another topic that we we have to dive into. This has to be a focus episode. But the mm-hmm. amount of times that the MLB brought up juicing the baseballs last night—that's something that we're gonna <laughs> dig into because you and I were talking a lot about that last night. But also, here's the I. I that, that's something we're going to cover on our next regular episode too, but that's something that we need to, as a topic, we need to dive in more. I agree. 
But yeah, that's going to, we got a lot of good focus episode ideas. We got a nice list going. So these are going to be, I don't know how often they're going to be, but they're going to be around. You'll be seeing random episodes pop up. Like these are going to be the episodes that we just throw out there randomly. So love it. Yeah. That's that. Will you have anything else you want to add? That's it. Hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed. Let us know what you think. Mm -hmm. Feedback, feedback, feedback. It's what we like. Oh yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm done talking. (laughs) I'm done too. I don't know what else to say. All right. We'll see you guys when we talk again. See you guys.